time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, my friends. How are you today on this Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, I don't know. I'm not excited. Paul Paul's looking at me, me neither, right? You know, there's a lot of Eagle fans around here in New Jersey. Uh, I live in Barnegat, so you go further south you go, the more Eagles it is, and further north you go, the more Giants it is. But I'll watch the game because I'm a football fan. Um, I'm debating or not whether or not to watch the halftime show. You know, I, do I want to get my dose of satanic ritual this week? <laughs> Did you see the Grammys? Did you see that one um, one act where the guy was the devil? It was all red. He had horns on. I mean, it was. In your face, satanic. And and the Super Bowl halftime show has been Illuminati, satanic, almost every every time. Watch it really closely today. Just watch. Just look at the background. Look at the symbolism and everything else. I mean, I'll watch it for curiosity, but just to see so I can comment on it. Uh, but it is Super Bowl Sunday. Who do you like today, Paul? You have a, you have a favorite? I'm, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Yeah. I'm going with uh, Kansas City because I hate the Eagles. <laughs> As a Giant fan, I hate the Eagles. So, uh, you doing anything? You going to a party or having anybody over? What are you doing? No, yeah, just kind of hanging out, chilling. Yeah, me too. I have no plans whatsoever, and I like it that way. I don't think last time I was at a Super Bowl party was when the Giants won in 2011. So it's quite some time. Yeah, I, that's a yeah, while. Yeah, it's, you know the problem is you know the game doesn't start till 25 to seven. By the time you have the hour halftime show, and by the time it's over, you know, it's like after 11 o'clock already, you know, I don't want to go to any party. And so those days are over. New Year's parties are over. Super Bowl parties are over. I'm becoming, I'm becoming a fuddy-duddy old man, aren't I? <laughs> a lot. So anyway, you ready for your favorite two hours of the week, Paul? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I can't <laughs> wait. I know you can. You, all week. I know starting Friday, you have bated breath. You can't wait to come in here Sunday morning at 6 in the morning uh, <laughs> and get ready for our program. Uh, but there's always a lot to talk about here on The Financial Physician. We talk money markets, politics, and uh, always something to talk about in all those areas. Uh, uh, in the second hour, you're going to want to tune in because we're going to talk about the State of the Union address uh, this past week. And uh, if we have enough time, which we will, uh, I'm going to give you my State of the Union address, and I'm going to deliver it as if Joe Biden actually told the truth. Uh, and uh, I spent a lot of time on this last night, uh, and uh, I was debating whether or not to do it because I didn't even rehearse it, you know. But then I said to myself, if I screw up, it can't be any worse than Joe's speech, right? <laughs> so why not? Anyway, the phone number here is 732-237-9626. Always like uh, our listeners' participation in the program. you got a financial question or a comment on anything we talk about here, good or bad, um, well, you're welcome here on The Financial. Uh, physician. So let's talk today. In the first hour, we tend to talk financial issues. So I want to talk about today uh, an, uh, an issue uh, that we're all dealing with if we're in our 50s and 60s. 
Uh, and that's dealing with our parents and their aging process. And what we're dealing with really is our parents going from being independent to dependency. All right. It's just the opposite of when you're a child. You're, you're dependent and then you get older and you become independent for most of your life. And then you go the other way. So many of us are taking care of our parents as they age and we got to deal with them as they pass away. And then we have a, our mother or father who's left alone and we got to deal with them. And then we have generational wealth transfer. There's a lot of things and it's very, very burdensome. It's very stressful for children to deal with this. And if you're caring for your aging parents, you know, it takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of patience to do that. And uh, we have the aging of America, the baby boomers now, you know, they're, 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 they're entering retirement, they're exiting retirement through passing away. And, uh, and it's very, very serious stuff because we have to make sure everything is right. And as a certified financial planner who deals mainly with seniors, uh, my, my practice is 35, 36 years old this year. Um, many of my clients have been with me 20, 30 years, and uh, a large portion of my client base now is at the end of their lives. So we do a lot of end-of-life planning, and I deal with that with my clients, my clients' children, uh, and so forth. So it's a big issue, and people make a lot of mistakes during this time. So, yeah, I want to address some of the considerations that you need to do if you are, uh, look, if, if you're married and you're older and you still have it together and, you know, you should be doing this stuff, too. But I'm talking mainly for children. You know, when your parents start getting older in their 80s and they start going downhill, especially when there's only one left, it takes a child, uh, a, a child that lives close by to get involved and to take care of things and make sure things are done right. And let's talk about some of the first things you need to do. And these are proper legal documents must be in place. So you want to help your parents put these proper legal documents in place. And what are we talking about? We're talking about, and I'll go over these in a second, power of attorney, health care proxies, living wills, wills, burial arrangements. And, uh, and then there's a whole other subject of long-term health care that we may have to deal with. So let's talk about some of these documents that you're going to want to have in place for an aging parent. Now, this is more important when I'm talking about now when there's only one parent left. When there's two parents left, it's, it's a lot less. They take care of things together. Uh, if one of them passes away, everything goes to the other one. Uh, you know, the, uh, a spouse has certain rights, you know, as far as making decisions for their spouse and so forth. So it's really more important when just mom is left or just dad is left that we make sure these things are in place. So the first thing is a power of attorney. So what is this? And a lot of people, they think they know what it is, but they really don't. Because I know I see these people, they come to me, they think that my mother passed, so I'm the power of attorney, so I'll be able to pay her bills after she died. No. But a power of attorney is also called an attorney. In fact, it's a way that you can have somebody else step in and handle your financial issues if you can't do it yourself. And there are generally two types of powers of attorney. There's something called a springing power of attorney, like a spring. And then there's a durable power of attorney. What's the difference? Well, a springing power of attorney is a power of attorney that is not valid. Someone can't use it unless it springs into effect at your disability, your inability to take care of yourself. And these are kind of rare. I don't see them used very much anymore. Now we see mostly durable power of attorney. A durable power of attorney is durable, meaning it becomes effective immediately upon your signature 
regardless of future events. So if you sign a power of attorney today, you're healthy and everything else, that person who you give that power to can act as you financially. They could do anything financially you do unless you restrict it within the power of attorney itself. But a typical durable power of attorney makes that person you as far as financial issues go. They could walk into a bank account. They could walk into a bank and show the power of attorney and basically withdraw all your money. They could transact stock and bond transactions in your investment portfolio. They can gift themselves money or gift money to anybody they want. They could change the deed on your house. The only thing they can't do is change your will and sign it as you. All right. That they can't do. But power of attorney is very, quote unquote, powerful. And it can be easily abused. But it really is powerful in a good way when you can't no longer. Many older people, they forget to pay their bills. And then before you know it, the electric bill is three months behind and they're going to come and shut it off on Thursday. And then you get a phone call from mom. I got this pink uh, bill in the mail. They're going to shut off my electric. I don't know why. Well, because you didn't pay a bill in three months. Well, you could be paying that those bills. You could be writing checks. And you would sign it, your name, as POA. And the bank knows that because you already brought the power of attorney to the bank. They have it on file. They have your signature on file. And they know to negotiate that check because you have that power of attorney. Now, one thing you don't want to do with a a, a power of attorney is to name more than one person. And I'll tell you why. You know, a lot of people say, I I just don't want to, I don't want to slight, I have three kids. I don't want to slight one by making one look more important than the other. Or maybe the other two are are, are not going to trust the brother because he has the power of attorney. He's going to steal mom's money. Well, if there's any concern about that in the first place, you should never give a power of attorney to anybody in your family that you don't trust 100% to do the right thing. But the thing is, when you have multiple powers of attorney, it's very burdensome. Because you need multiple signatures on every check, uh, anything that that power of attorney does. It, it kind of nullifies the convenience of having somebody in your family take care of your financial issues. And what if uh, your children aren't local? You know, what are you going to do? You know, send a check across the country so your brother can sign it uh, so you could pay mom's electric bill. Right. Find who is most confident in your family to handle this for you. And it doesn't even have to be a family member. It could be a best friend, a trusted aunt or uncle or nephew. It doesn't have to be. uh, It could be anybody. Uh, But you want a power of attorney when your health starts to decline. Now, I tell people once they get into their 60s. Now, I've had a power of attorney with my spouse since I was 25. You know, I mean, we that was part of our estate planning package. And but the power of attorney with spouses rarely comes into to, to necessity because usually your checking account is joint account. So either one of you can sign it. Uh, you really don't need a power of attorney. But I you know, most people do have a power of attorney with their spouse, especially as they get older. But rarely is it necessary. But when you're single, you know, and you're 80 years old, that's when it becomes much more of a necessity. But, you know, the earlier you get this, the better. I mean, uh, it, you know, what if you have a, a sudden illness like a stroke or something like that? You know, now you're not competent. Now you can't enter into the power of attorney situation because you're not competent. Just when you need the power of attorney to work, you can't enter into one. Unless you are competent and you could sign something and everything else. And you may, you may be. 
But it's important as part of a, an estate planning package. It, you know, there's always three things that you should have. The will, the power of attorney, and the health care directive, the living will. And we'll go over those other things in a second. But uh, a power of attorney is very, very, very important to have, especially as your health, health is declining and especially if you're an older single person. And uh, make sure that you, uh, you give that power of attorney to the right person. I've seen power of attorneys misused, uh, abused, and outright. And you know what? You give a power, you have three children, you give a power of attorney to one child, and that child isn't the right one to do it. Uh, a, they're going to mismanage your finances. And, you know, the reason why you got the power of attorney is so your finances would be smooth when you can't do it. So you want to make sure that this person's competent and will make sure your bills are paid on time and everything else. You want to make sure that that person is ethical and won't start abusing the power of attorney for their benefit. I have a client that has a son. He was a power of attorney over his uh, her accounts, and uh, I managed a significant amount of money for her. She has uh, Alzheimer's. He comes in with the power of attorney. We have to honor that power of attorney. We file it with our brokerage firm. And he starts calling my assistant, and he starts taking out $5,000 at a time. And uh, she never took that kind of money out. But it would go to her checking account. But he had power of attorney over the checking account. And he also, because he had power of attorney, was able to get a debit card on that account. And he was basically living off his mother's money. Going out to dinner, using the credit card, uh, the debit card, writing checks to himself, paying his own rent. Now, does he have a right to do that? Yes. Is it illegal? No. And uh, this person is the only child, so he feels that, well, it's my money anyway, because when she dies, I'm going to get it all. But there's other complications to that, because what if she needs nursing home care? They're going to look back five years of all the transfers of money and, and all that money he's spending is a gift to him. She might not qualify for, for Medicaid when she runs out of money because of all these transfers. And then what happens to her? Power of attorney could be extremely, extremely effective or it could be extremely damaging. Uh, and in this case, it's damaging. Now, finally, another family member saw what was happening and got the mother to revoke the power of attorney. And that's another thing, too. These are revocable. You, you know, as long as you're competent, you can turn it off. You can name somebody else if you want. Let's talk about a living will. It's also called a health care directive. It's called a health care proxy. And in this document, A, you delineate what you want done to you under certain circumstances including do not resuscitate, uh, no food, n no food tubes in me. And, you know, a lot of people in advanced age and advanced disease, they don't want these life-sustaining uh, things done to them. They're tired. You know, they want, don't want to go through it anymore. It's, you know, they're ready for death. And they don't want any extraordinary measures. And you, 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 you write that down in a health care directive. And you also name a health care proxy or, a power or, or an attorney, in fact, a health care attorney. This person would make decisions for you if you can't make them yourself. 
And be careful who you give that to. That's a very, very powerful document too, right? Uh, they could pull the plug on you, you know? And so, uh, and I've seen many families argue about this. I've, I've seen family has three children. One child has the healthcare proxy. Uh, it's towards the end of a mom's life. She's got cancer or whatever. Uh, the healthcare proxy wants to turn off life support. And the other two brothers don't want to. Well, the one who has the the, the healthcare proxy, they're the ones going to make that decision. Now, when my father passed away, um, you know, he my mother died first, so he was her proxy. He made the decisions for her. You know, usually it's the spouse that does this, right? But when he was a widower, my mother died first. I was his healthcare proxy. So I had to make the decision. Now, I have five brothers and sisters, right? Now, thankfully, we were all on the same page towards the end. It was obvious that, you know, he he was not going to survive his cancer. Uh, and we all, I did consult with my whole family. You know, we came to a consensus, but I didn't have to. I could have said, you know what, Dad, we're, we're turning everything off. We're bringing you home, which is what I did do, you know. If, but, you know, I consulted with my brothers and sisters. We have a close family. I wasn't going to keep them out of that 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 decision making process, but I didn't have to. Very important document, uh, especially if your health is declining, to have one of those. But again, you could have a massive stroke out of nowhere, and you'll be glad you have that health care. Now, when you go into the hospital, you have any procedures done, they always ask you, "Do you have a living will?" It's also called a living will, right? Uh, and you give them a copy of that. It's important. To have. Everybody should have. All right. And then you have um, the will. Of course, the will's important. We all know we have it. You, you'd be surprised how many people don't have one. I have clients that are 70-something years old that don't have a will. It just blows my mind that something as simple as that. And they have assets. If anybody's listening to me and you don't have a will, I don't care what age you are. This week, it should be your uh, your goal to get on the phone, set up an appointment, and, and a lot of people don't have a will because they don't want to go go to an attorney and spend money for it. You could write a will on a napkin. I mean, I'm not saying you should, but you know, you, you could. Also, there's, there's plenty of templates you can get online for almost nothing. Legal Zoom, you just just Google will template. You could do a, a, um, a living will online and print it out. Just make sure that it's witnessed properly. Every state has different rules on how many signatures have to witness it and so forth. So, you know, get to understand your state's laws. Uh, very easy. Power of attorney, get online too. So I'm sorry, lawyers out there that make a lot of, a lot of money off people doing estate planning for people and doing these documents. It takes, it takes the attorney holy any amount of time. It's all a template on a computer, plugs in certain things. And most people's wills are pretty simple. Most people's will say, I name my son, Matthew, as my executor. All my assets of my residual estate are split equally amongst my three children. If one of my children predeceases me, either his portion goes to his family or his portion goes to the surviving brothers and sisters. That's really basically it. Right? It's not hard to do. 
Like I said, you could just go on a word processor and type it up. Me being of Simon Mountain body, you know, do hereby name, blah, 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 as my executor, my residual estate should be split this way. Uh, very, very easy to do. I did my own will on one of these. I think it was LegalZoom. But there's a lot of different websites that go there. It's about 40 bucks. You, you get your will done. And the thing is, wills can be changed. Now, if you have a more complicated estate, you got a business, you have a lot of real estate, a lot of securities, maybe you could afford to spend $700 on an attorney to make sure that everything is exactly the way it should be. Um, but you don't have to. So if you are one of these people listening to me today that don't have these documents, especially if you're older or if your parents don't have them and you're taking care of your parents and you're going to be the one to, to, to walk them through this process of going from uh, being independent to being totally dependent, you got to make sure that these documents are obtained. Now you also have to look at, you know, all right, what's the cost going to be, you know, at the end of my parents' life? What is it going to cost to get them over the finish line? And many times we don't know that because we don't know what the long-term health care costs would be. But that's the main issue. And another important thing that you need to know when you're putting together your will, all assets are not equal. What do I mean by all assets are not equal? If I inherit a $250,000 home, well, let's not even say home. Let's say savings account. A regular savings account, you got 250000 in there, uh, and I'm going to inherit that savings account, and you say, well, I have a $250,000 IRA, uh, my other son will inherit that. Those are not equal assets. The savings account is after-tax money, where the IRA is taxable to that beneficiary. So if 25% of it's going to the government, then you're not getting the same inheritance. Also, um, also you got to look at appreciated property. You got to look at, at all different kinds of things. Is there capital gains? Do I gift this stuff before I die? You know, there's all kinds of complications here. Now, when you're talking about parental care, and if they don't really have that much funding for this, and you're going to have somebody coming in to take care of her or clean the house or whatever, how much of this are you willing to shoulder? How much of this are you willing to pay? Have you had a conversation with your spouse about this, what that amount will be? And if you have siblings, how much will they contribute? And the one thing I've learned in my career is that taking care of mom is not equally shared by the children. Not at all. Right. Uh, maybe uh, the brother, he's too busy with his business. You know, he's not available. Or maybe the one sibling lives in California. And mom lives here in New Jersey. But your daughter lives in New Jersey and she's the one there every day, bringing your food, taking care of you, cleaning your house. And if you, you are so far disabled, doing other unseemly things that are no fun to deal with your parent. So who's going to shoulder this burden? And these are these are questions that really need to be asked uh, amongst the family. 
And then you also have to do uh, estate preservation planning. What do I mean by that? Well, estate preservation planning simply means how do we protect this estate? How do, how do we protect it from going away with long-term health care costs? Do we start gifting property? Do we start gifting assets? How long do we have to do that in advance? Is five years in New Jersey. Other states are different. See the burden on that one child if, he, if that's the child that's taking care of all these things? But somebody has to drive the car. And this is, um, and there's also an emotional side to this. You know, you know, my brother is in California. He doesn't see mom every day like I see her deteriorating. The burden's on me. The stress is on me. After work, I have to run over there and make sure she's okay. He's not worrying about it. So it can take an incredibly emotional toll um, and also a financial toll on one of the children. So, so planning for your parents' death, um, many of us have, have done it. I, I've gone through it. I, I help my clients. And, and one of the things that, that's most important is communication. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how few families have a meeting as mom is aging. Again, this is not as important when both mom and dad are alive, but when you have one left, it's very important to do this planning. Uh, family should have meetings that doesn't have to be in face nowadays between zoom and FaceTime and all that stuff. We could have that meeting, uh, and discuss all these issues. And even though one person may have the power of attorney, one person, the same person may have the, the, the living will power of attorney. It's great if you can have a family consensus and talk about these issues and come to, a, um, a consensus on how to go forward, whether it's financially, whether it's healthcare, uh, whether it's uh, uh, um, anything else in her life or his life. But we know families are dysfunctional. <laughs> Trust me on this one. Uh, not that mine is, but uh, you wouldn't believe what I deal with in my practice with families and the dysfunction we need between the families. It's unbelievable. Uh, and like I said, I, I deal with this stuff every day. And sometimes you have to keep one sibling out of the decision-making process because they're nothing but a problem. And uh, that's the last person that you'd want um, to have power of attorney or have any control over your parent. And a lot of contention. Uh, you know, at the end of your parent's life, uh, a lot of families disintegrate over these issues. Lack of trust, feeling that you're stealing your money, who gets what, who makes decisions for mom. Uh, I don't want her to go into a nursing home because that's going to eat up my inheritance. So, you know, why don't you take care of her, take her in your house? I mean, it's all kinds of things that go on. But the most important thing is the most responsible, the most local person. This is ideal. Uh, should take care of the stuff and be the power of attorney and make sure these documents are taken care of. Uh, and unfortunately, it's a burden, uh, but it's a burden um, that we can't avoid. All right, our phone number is 732-237-9626. Let's go to the phones. Paul in Times River. Paul, good morning. How are you? Paul, are you there? Hi, Paul. There's no Paul. Paul. You said there was a Paul, Paul. <laughs> but I guess there's nothing but a Paul. Uh uh, let's see if we have Paul call back if uh, you have a question. All right, let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Lou Scatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. 
Luce Katigna here, certified financial planner, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard every Sunday, 7 to 9 a.m. right here on 92.7 WOBM-FM. Hey, it's that time again, income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. AFM Investments has been providing financial planning and income tax preparation for over 35 years. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member FINRA, NSIPC, registered investment advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer. Top quality work at the most affordable rates. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Luz Katigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right. Welcome back to the financial physician. We get together each and every Sunday live right here on 92.7 WOBM, 7 to 9 a.m. But if that is too early for you, it's too early for me, but I can't just do the podcast <laughs> again, I guess, eventually. Uh, but um, I have to get up. But you don't. So you can listen to the program anytime you like uh, by going to thefinancialphysician.com. Just click on the 
the radio tab at the top of the homepage, and you can link right over to the podcast. Podcast is up right after the show's over, so 9 o'clock, uh, 10 after 9, uh, the podcast will be available. Uh, and uh, we have past podcasts there and, and everything else. And many, many, many of you listen to the podcast, and I do appreciate it. Please share it with the uh, People you think can benefit by it, put it on social media or any website. You have free reign to uh, link it uh, anywhere you would like. That's the com. Love all your emails. Get great emails from our listeners. Uh, I, I look forward to, to reading your emails. Uh, if you have a comment on the show or something I could help you with. Uh, I love a personal finance question uh, that I could point you in the right direction or fix something for you. That's Lou, L-O-U, at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at the financial uh, physician dot com. All right, the phone number is seven three two two three seven nine six two six. Let's try again and go to Paul and Tom's River. Paul, good morning. How are you? Well, good morning, huh? I don't really need to be on the radio right now, but one thing I had. Well, I have a couple things. First one is I have heard. Uh, sorry, I'm out of breath. Running around trying to get the phone, turn down the stereo, etc. First one is. A couple of uh, people on your station, I'm out of breath, I'm running around. A couple of people on your station have touched on that subject, but have not given a as broad spectrum information as you have done. So you have done an amazing job, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Now, first question is, well, both my parents are dead. My sister died just a few months ago, and I'd like to know, if you know it, um, if the, any powers or, well, okay, let me take a breath here. Take your time, take your time. Okay. My sister, as I said, died just a few months ago. Um, I'm the only living member of immediate family. Does... You know, and I'm trying to get to her place because I'm here in New Jersey. She's in California to go through everything that she has and determine disposition on that. Now, do these things pertain to um, siblings in that what my sister has, does that automatically go to whomever she specified or I don't think she did specify anything because neither of us were expecting her death. But, you know, any assets that were transferred to her, although we didn't have many, uh, do I need to go through her assets to determine disposition, most of which will be going to goodwill, uh, but some of them, well, I don't know where the others would be going. Um, but do I need to go through her assets to determine disposition, or can I just make a phone call for that? Well, it depends what her assets are. I mean, um, uh, uh, if she has any savings accounts, investments, uh, property, uh, all these things are either going to transfer by title, beneficiary, or the will. So if she has, uh, let's say, an IRA account, there's going to be a beneficiary on that now. Right, but she doesn't have an IRA, right? I'm uh, assuming she doesn't. Okay, all right. So so uh, if she doesn't have any retirement plans, then all her assets will be, does she have a will? Okay, that means what? 
Does she have a will where she names an executor and names who gets her stuff? I doubt it. She was not one for planning ahead. Okay. All right. So this is what happens. And this is, this is a good point that you, I'm glad you called because when you die without a will, it complicates things for your survivors, which in this case is you, right? Your life has just mm-hmm. been complicated because you don't have the important document for disposition of her assets. All right. So okay. now what you're going to have to do is this. You're going to have to go to California or have an attorney working for you in California that's going to have to go to the county that she died in, the the surrogate court, and have Mm -hmm. you named as not executor, but as administrator. There's a difference. Uh, An executor is named in a will. An administrator is named by the court. Okay, so since she she is uh, intestate, uh, you being the closest of kin, uh, being her brother that's alive, would be the one to be named administrator. All right, so now as administrator, uh, given that you're the sole heir, basically, because you're the closest one that's still alive, anything Mm -hmm. of value you can keep. All right, anything. She has a house. Does she have any property? No. Okay. No, she was in an apartment uh, living off disability or whatever. And, you know, whatever she was getting as a former uh, person Former member of the army. Okay, so so, so she so she's destitute basically. All right, so she yeah. does she doesn't own assets. All right, so you're right. just talking about the contents of her home, uh, furniture right. and stuff like that. Uh, chances are, once you're named administrator, because you can't start doing things without the, that that certificate of administration. You know, somebody right. can't just go into somebody's house and and just start selling off their stuff. You know, uh, I don't care if you're the brother or not. I mean, you have to be named administrator, so you have to go through that court process. Uh, uh, and then once you are named administrator, you, you you can you could call somebody and say, you know, empty out the house, take it, give it to Goodwill. Keep it. I don't care. Just empty out the house. You'll settle up with the whoever she's renting from, uh, whatever is left to them. Pay any bills she mm-hmm. has if she has any assets, and and you wipe your hands of it. and It's done. All right. Okay. Uh, because there's nothing to be divvied up or possessed. If they, if you see a personal possession that's interesting to you, like you know an old photo or or, or a keepsake or mom's oh, ring yeah, or yeah, something like has, that. She has she has all the family photos. Okay, and, and jewelry maybe from your mother. All that kind right. of stuff is that it all belong to you. But you got to get the first thing done. Is you have to be given the keys to the car, and the way to do that is to. Either go to California uh, or contact uh, an estate attorney. Now it's going to start costing money uh, to oh, do yeah. this for you. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just really not a difficult thing. But if you can travel, the best thing to do is just to go there, be named administrator, clean out everything, take care of business over a couple-week period if you have the ability to do that, uh, mm-hmm. and then come home. And then you're done with it. Uh, once you start employing other people to do it, now all of a sudden the costs come in. And if she has no assets, really, the costs are going to come out of your pocket. Right. You know, so uh, so that's the next thing to do uh, um, uh, is, to, is to do that if you want to settle out of state. But it's a good now, point. Do I need to do that? Well, I'm, I'm assuming I need to do that uh, either through an attorney or I need to travel out there to get that done. Yeah, well, you're gonna need. You're probably gonna need to travel out there if you don't want to spend a lot of money. It's gonna cost you money to travel. Don't get me wrong, but but uh, but a lot less than an attorney. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But the thing is, is that there's things you have to do. Uh, when you're there, you have to go through things. Uh, you got to decide what you want to keep and what you want to just throw out and what you want to give to goodwill. You're going to call up, you're going to call up, uh, uh, 
a goodwill company to come with a truck and, and take the furniture right. you don't want. You know, you, it's going to take you time to do that. So, you know, you have to say, you know what? I got to get out there. I got to do this. Yes. And, it and, sounds and, like I definitely do. Yeah, you do. And uh, uh, are you retired? Uh, I'm retired and disabled. Oh. However, I'm not disabled to the point of obviously being unable to communicate intelligently and uh, yeah, do you have and, any... and able able to travel. I mean, travel is difficult because I've had a couple of major spine injuries, but I am still mobile. Okay. All right. And, and you don't have a job that you have to worry about getting back. All right. So, exactly. All right. So when you're ready, I mean, you know, obviously, the longer you wait, the more rent is a, you know, has to be paid, right? To the exactly. Rent. Yeah. So the quicker you get this done, the better. Uh, it, it's uh, it's it's a pain. Uh, again, yeah. that's why you want to have a will. That's why I said, if you're listening to me now and you don't have a will, go get one this week or go do one oh, this I'm week. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's not fair. It's really not fair. Look, when you're gone, you don't care about anything, right? Uh, you're not of this world anymore. Uh, but think about the burden exactly. you're going to leave to your family behind when you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not what you want to do. And, and that's what this whole segment is about, is, is to plan. And, and if they don't do it, you know, we need a family member to suggest, mm-hmm. Mom, you know, you really should do these documents. Let me take you to the attorney or let me get you this, you know, because what you're doing is you're making your own life easier uh, yeah. after mm-hmm. the fact. So good luck on that. Um, once you do all this stuff, call back the program. Program and let me know what your experience was. Uh, I'd be curious to see uh, how difficult this was for you or how easy it was for you. Okay. I huh. will definitely do that. All right, Paul. Thanks for the call. Good luck on that. Thank you very much. Thank you immensely for putting this on the air. It, I think it would be beneficial to all your listeners to have this uh, aired in each of the different time segments. Okay. Uh, I, I, the recording there. All right. Well, like I said, it's always available at the com, or at least it will be for some time uh, uh, on the podcast. So uh, we'll play it on the podcast. And, I, you know, this is not a one-off thing where I talk about these kind of issues because it's a really important part of financial planning. And every few right. months, every few months I go over this because it is important. And as a, as a practicing planner, I see the mistakes that people make all the time. And your phone call is one, right? Uh, and, uh, yeah. and, and, uh, and when I see these mistakes, I realize I have to get on the air and, and reiterate the importance of doing these things. Uh, but thanks for the call and good luck on that. And be sure to give us a call back and let us know how you make out. I definitely will. All right, Paul. And please, you know, your segment has been amazing, accurate, and whatever, everything. It would be good either if you were on the Every Time segment, which is going to be a pain and a half for you. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, or just play, have this recording played in each uh, segment with each uh newscaster. I, well, I don't know what you are. Which, well, which, well it would be yeah. pretty boring r- no. running the same thing all the time. But thanks for the call. Right. Thanks for the kind words. And like I said, good luck with uh, settling your sister's estate. Right. But please, don't just put it on the podcast. Have it on the radio because a lot of people don't listen to a podcast and a lot of elderly people don't even have a cell phone. Yeah, and that's why I do do it on the radio periodically. Okay, good. All right. Thanks good. a lot, Paul. Appreciate it. Uh, there you go. There's an example of someone who hasn't done their planning right. And again, they don't care. They're long gone. And now poor Paul there has to fly across the country and take care of all the stuff. Uh, he probably would have anyway had to do that, even if he, there was a will. Uh, but, you know, when you're being named an administrator uh, because there is no will, uh, it's, it's a process. You also have to buy, put up money for a bond. You know, it, it's just uh, I was named administrator. My mother-in-law... Uh, 
who was one of my biggest fans on this program years ago, uh, she had a will and named me executor. All right. Why not name your son-in-law who's a financial planner, right? So, uh, and she didn't name her, her three, one of the three children, my, my, my wife or her, or my, my two, uh, brother-in-laws. Then she named me. But when she passed, the will could not be found. There's another thing that you got to do. Make sure these documents are, are somewhere where they're easily going to be found. Make sure you, your loved ones know where your will is, where your living will is, where your power of attorney is. And where you hid your gold in your house, <laughs> that's another thing, right? How many people buy a home and in the course of owning a home, like, replace a wall or something and find, you know, like $100,000 worth of gold coins stashed, you know, behind the outlet uh, uh, or in a crawl space or something like that? Uh, make sure people know. I mean, people do die suddenly, especially nowadays, <laughs> right? Sudden adult death syndrome. It's a big deal. Um Make sure uh, they know where your stuff is. Uh, very important. Now, there's one other thing, another document that I've created 25 years ago, and I still give them out all the time. It is not a legal document, but it's called the Estate Letter of Instruction. It's something like 17 pages long. It's a template. And what you do on there is you fill in all kinds of information about your financial life. You know, when, when people die, like Paul was just talking about, he has to be a, a f financial forensic investigator now, right? Because he doesn't know what she has, where it is. Now, she doesn't have investments and things like that. But, it, you know, you still don't know. Now, say someone dies. Where's their money? Do they have a savings bonds that I don't know about? Do they have a Vanguard account? I mean, now I have to start doing research, looking through boxes to see old statements, looking at tax returns, trying to figure, oh, a dividend came from, from Exxon. Uh, where's the Exxon stock? How many shares does she have? Uh, is it held at Exxon or is there a certificate floating around somewhere? Is there a safe deposit box? Well, that stuff isn't in a will. It's not in the power of attorney, but it would be in the estate letter of instruction because in there you're going you're gonna to announce the first page, you know, where do I want to be buried? Did I prepay my funeral? Do I have life insurance? Where is my will? Where is my safe deposit box? Where is um, my important documents? Who is my accountant? Who is my financial advisor? I have money in this bank, in this bank, in that bank. I have this credit card, that credit card, and that credit card. Right? Here's the information on my car. Where's the title of the car? There's another thing, okay, right? You know, you got to dispose of mom's car, right? Where's the title? Uh, and we can go on and on. How are things titled? Do I owe anybody money? Does people owe me money? Is there a, is there is there a, an annuity that's going to pay a lump sum at the end? Uh, see, most executives don't know this stuff, and now they have to. They, they're starting blind, and they have to go through that stuff. The estate letter of instruction. You fill all this stuff in. It tells everything about your financial life. And more importantly, where all your important documents are. This is a lifesaver. I've had family members come to me and say, Lou, that document was unbelievable. It helped me find everything. And I give them out free of charge. I could email one to you. Just send me an email, lou at thefinancialphysician.com, or call my office, uh, and we'll send you a couple of them, a blank one. Now, fill it out thoroughly. It's going to take you some time. It's going to take you some work. And nobody likes to do this stuff. But do it. 
you'll be doing your family. It's the biggest gift you can give them. And I have clients that are so organized when it comes to the end of their life, so organized and their, their estates are so easy to settle because they did this planning or one of their children assisted them in doing that planning. And that was the whole, that's the whole scope of what the beginning of the show was about is do the planning for your parents. Don't trust that they're going to do it. Bring it up. Have that meeting with them. Mom, look, you know, your advanced age now, dad's gone. We got to make sure that when you pass that we don't have a big mess here. So let's start by making sure, do you have a will? Where is it? All right, let's go get one. Let's go, let's go change it. Uh, you know, things change in your life. Let's do a letter of instruction so we know where everything in your financial life is. I'm telling you, you got to do it. It'll make all the difference in the world to the family. And uh, people, people think that being an executor is a prestigious position to be in. Trust me, I've been an executor many times. It's a pain in the neck. Finding where all the accounts are, selling mom's home, making sure it's cleaned out, going through all, you know, it's just terrible being an executor. Uh, you got to do the final tax return. Uh, is inheritance tax involved? I have to get a lawyer to deal with that. I have to sell securities. You know, God forbid there's a business involved that you have to liquidate. I mean, it's, it's, it's a thankless job. So if your brother's named executor and you're not, be thankful that that burden's on on you. Now, don't name, just like I said, don't name multiple powers of attorney. Do not name multiple executors. You're compounding the problem. It's tough enough for one executor to take care of business without having to call his brother in Louisiana to find out, you know, if, if he's going to, you know, sign off on this. The most, just like, the, you know, the most trustworthy, the most uh, financially competent uh, child or family member should be your power of attorney. So true uh, is the executor. And don't say, well, my oldest should be executor. Why? Your oldest may be not competent to handle this or might not be local. Choose the person that's most competent and most local to take care of all your business. And people think that, oh, geez, he's the executor. He's going to take most of the money. It doesn't work that way. The executor has legal obligation to follow what the will says. And another thing to keep in mind, too, when you're doing this planning, many assets transfer around the will. If you have a joint account. And be careful here. It is where mistakes are made. You know, you got a $200,000 bank account and you put your daughter's name on it for convenience so she can pay the bills and move money back and forth. Or if you put your, your daughter's name on your home or uh, on a, a brokerage account, you have just disinherited your other children because when you die, she's the survivor. It goes to her, regardless of what your will says. Also, retirement plans, they have beneficiaries on them. That has nothing to do with your will. Those assets are, 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 are moved based on the beneficiary. Life insurance, pension plans, IRA accounts, annuities. Your will has no effect on any of those. The will only has an effect on what's called the residual estate. The residual estate is everything else that doesn't transfer by title, or by beneficiary. 
See how complicated this stuff can get? It's really, really, you know, really, really, people make the biggest mistakes at the end of their life. And one of the mistakes is just not doing the planning. But some people do things. They, they, they'll, they'll retitle accounts or, or put real estate in, in one child's name because they think it's going to save them from nursing home costs. I mean, they just they listen to their neighbor who told them what to do. Gift all your money away or do this or do that. So many mistakes are made. I have a client I'm dealing with now that uh, her next door neighbor passed away. And they were really, really good friends. And the neighbor wanted the surviving neighbor and her kids to get all her assets were quite substantial. You know, you don't usually see that too often. It's usually a family member. Well, this one woman only had a brother. Now, the brother, she's not very close with and didn't want him to get anything. But she changed the beneficiary of her IRA. Uh, she changed to will that everything goes to uh, the neighbor. But one thing in the IRA was an annuity. And even though the annuity was listed in the IRA statement, it's an account that was separate from the IRA at the brokerage firm. It was held at the insurance company. And it was roughly like $300,000 plus. And that beneficiary was never changed. So therefore, the brother got $300,000 that she did not want him to get. How's that for a mistake? That's a costly one, especially for the surviving neighbor and her kids. Not to mention that the estate is liable for the 15% inheritance tax on that money. Which uh, he may or may not have to pay. Big mistakes. And that's just one example. One example. Right, let's look at financial markets before we get to the top of the hour. Uh, the markets got reality. I mean, January into the first week in February, markets were rallied pretty good uh, after the worst year in financial markets in centuries, you could say, um, you know, a very long time. Um, the you know the the markets have been rebounding uh, because the market believes that the Federal Reserve is going to stop raising interest rates at some point in the near future, and then ultimately later this year start lowering interest rates as the economy moves into recession. That's the conventional wisdom on the market. So money has been flowing into stocks, figuring the worst is over. Uh, and uh, But this past week, uh, the markets uh, are thinking differently. Some financial uh, economic reports have come out that are stronger than expected. Uh, the week before last, they announced this crazy um, employment report where 500 and some thousand jobs were created out of thin air. I mean, they're not real. Uh, but we're starting to see the markets now start to go the other way, thinking that maybe we should believe what the Federal Reserve says, that they're hell-bent on killing inflation and bringing it down to 2%, regardless of what it does to the economy. So the market got a little religion this week. Uh, it was down, not 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 significantly, but uh, the Dow was down um, not even a quarter of 1%. That was the best performing index, up about 2% for the year. S&P 500 down 1.1%, uh, up 6.54% year to date. Still a very good return, but gave back a, you know, a part of it this week. The Nasdaq was down uh, much more, down 2.41%. But look how much it's up for the year, almost 12% still. 
The Nasdaq, which was killed last year, down to thirty something percent, uh, has had a nice rebound year to date. I don't think it's going to last. I think the markets are headed for a significant, significant downturn uh, once they realize a that interest rates aren't coming down hard anytime soon, and that the economy is moving into uh, what I believe is going to be a severe recession. Uh, and in response to that, yields have gone up. Uh, the 10-year Treasury, which last week, I think it was uh, 3.45, uh, closed the week at 3.73, a uh, pretty significant increase in a 10-year bond interest rate, uh, which affects mortgage rates. Uh, the average uh, national average for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 6.61%, very high, up about a third of a percentage point last week. Uh, so interest rates in the mortgage market are very, very closely tied to the 10-year Treasury yield. Uh, and uh, and with the 10-year going up, it's going to affect uh, mortgage rates as well. Uh, gold and silver had a poor week. Uh, gold's under 1900 1876 Silver is um, $22 an ounce. Uh, oil uh, gone up significantly last week, um, uh, just about $80 a barrel. Uh, we're starting to see... Um, Gasoline prices starting to increase nationwide. I think the average is somewhere around three sixty, uh, and um, and and going higher. And uh, Bitcoin after hitting twenty three thousand uh, went down a little bit this week twenty one thousand seven fifty. So those financial markets uh, for the week uh, they're pretty volatile. They're pretty. I told you there's two things that are going to affect the financial markets this year. The two driving things number one is the Federal Reserve. Uh, and interest rates. Uh, and the second thing is the war in Ukraine, which we'll talk about in the second hour, which is looking more and more like uh, is um, the West is hell bent on on starting World War Three. We're already in it. And uh, I don't really understand where they expect to go with this. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about that in the second hour. And uh We'll talk about the State of the Union. We're going to do my own State of the Union in the second hour. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. Uh, all right, let's top of the hour. Let's take a break. 732-237-9626 if you want to be part of our program. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, time for hour two of our two-hour program. We get together live each and every Sunday, 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.7 WBM here on the Jersey Shore. And if you're not here on the Jersey Shore and you want to listen live, because you're up early uh, and you prefer to listen live, just go and get the app. WOBM app, um, and you can download the app, and then you can listen live anywhere you are. Or if you don't want to download the app, just go to thefinancialphysician.com, and we have uh, a tab there to listen live to the program. 
But if you uh, you don't listen live, you get up late, or you only catch the second hour because you're asleep or you go to church, uh, just go to thefinancialphysician.com where we have the podcast of the program. Uh, and like I said, so many of you uh, do listen to the podcast. It grows each and every week. And, um, and uh, all across the country, people download this program. So obviously, it's being shared. Uh, and, I, and I do appreciate that. That's thefinancialphysician.com. The podcast is up right after the show uh, is over. All right. Before we start getting into um, uh, some of the political stuff that's going on, and there is so much going on, um, I want to talk about uh, some tax issues that you need to know about. Uh, first of all, here, if you live in New Jersey, I want to make sure you understand that there's there's a program out there now, and you have two weeks left to participate in it. It's called the New Jersey Anchor Rebate. And I'm seeing a lot of new tax clients coming in, and they don't know that this is available to everybody. If you're a homeowner, all right, and you know there's certain income parameters, 150000 or less, and then it starts to phase out. Um, but if you're a homeowner, you make less than 150000 a year, you're going to get $1,500 in a rebate for your property taxes. And it doesn't matter what age you are. You don't have to be a senior to get this. So many younger people think this, this is a senior tax relief program in New Jersey. It's not. It's, it's, it's for everybody. And you only have two more weeks to apply for it. And it's that simple. If your income is under a certain amount, you own a home, the family is going to get a $1,500 check or direct deposit, and it's coming in May. So don't leave $1,500 on the table. Now, if you're a renter, you're going to get $450. So you're not out of it altogether. And you could you could file online, uh, go to, I'm not going to go over all the rules and everything now. I, I just don't have time to do it. But just go Google New Jersey Anchor Rebate Program. Go there and find out the instructions on how you file and everything else. And, you know, if, if you jointly own a property with somebody else, it could become more complicated. If a spouse died, you may have to file a paper return. But there's a lot of money on the table here. It's $1,500. And I know, I know in March, new tax tax clients are going to come to me and I'm going to ask them, did they file their anchor? And they're going to tell me no. And it's too late at that point. Uh, it's very important, and I meant to I meant to mention this a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to to mention it every week. I'll mention it the next two weeks too, because I don't want anybody not to file for this. And it's not that difficult to file. All right, just go online uh, and do a little bit of research, and it doesn't doesn't take very long to file for it. Uh, and you put your direct deposit information in, and um, or you'll get a check in the mail. And this is coming in May. And given the inflationary times we're living in it's um there's no better we we could use the fifteen hundred dollars everybody and it would be a sin uh if you left it on a table now the irs announced something pretty disturbing this week you know uh, the biden administration you know was saying that this new irs enforcement that that's that's being funded by 80-something billion dollars or whatever it is, uh, hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. Uh, they said this is just to go after the wealthiest Americans. And if you make less than $400,000 a year, you're untouchable here. But just like everything else that comes out of this administration, it's a lie. It's lip service. Um, this week, the IRS proposed a new procedure to improve tip reporting compliance as they so brilliantly put it. So what they're doing is they're coming after waiters and waitresses and bartenders and doormen. 
And what they were doing now is they're requiring st- uh, companies, restaurants, and stuff to keep track of all the tips that everybody makes and report it to the government. Um, and this is especially true of if you pay your tip on a credit card, there's a record of that being a tip. There's a record about who that waiter or waitress was. So the government wants now this restaurant to report to them that information and then go after that waiter or waitress who didn't report it on their tax return. Um, that's why anytime I can going forward, I'm going to use cash when I tip somebody. But, uh, what happened to just going, we're not going after anybody under $400,000 a year. And you remember the other proposal they were going after? If you, uh, transferred money or got money from eBay or Venmo or something like that, over $600, you were going to get a 1099 K and the government was going to get one. And everybody got all upset about that and they tabled it to next year. They're still going to do it, but they had to put the fire out now. Now, it's not going to affect until we, we have a, a number of months of a comment period and everything else. Not in effect yet, but this is what they want to do. Representative Mike Kelly, Republican from Pennsylvania, the chairman of the Ways and Means Subcommittee on Tax, told Fox this week, Washington has a spending problem, not a revenue problem. Now the IRS is going after middle-income families and working moms and dads who are just trying to make ends meet and put food on the table. My colleagues and I have warned for months that the IRS would start targeting hardworking Americans in the Biden administration's quest for more taxpayer dollars. So uh, they're coming after they're coming after all of us, uh, and now they want your tips. The, the 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 government is insatiable when it comes to taxes. I mean, we've had a record amount of tax revenue come in in the last year. And meanwhile, we still have almost a trillion and a half dollar deficit. They'll never, no matter how much money they take in, they'll never have a balanced budget because they're just going to spend more. So it is tax season. So we'll be talking more about income taxes Um uh, as the the uh, tax season progresses, and uh, we're really starting to get busy now. Um, uh, you know, if you listen to my my commercial during the break, yes, I am taking on new tax clients every year. Tax people move, uh, clients pass away, so we always have capacity to add new tax clients and um, uh, listeners to this program or podcast. If you make an appointment with me, your first year's tax fee is discounted a hundred dollars. And my, my tax fees aren't expensive to begin with. I'm very competitive. Uh, so your first year, if you uh, contact us and come in this season, um, new tax clients get a $100 discount. So just call my office to make an appointment. 732-905-8100 um, um, is our uh, office number. Uh, everybody should have most of their tax documents by now. By law, W-2s, distributions from IRAs, pension income, uh, interest income, dividend, that should all be there already. You should have all those documents. If you have investment accounts, you may not have all your documents because brokerage firms and financial firms have until February 15th to mail out those documents. all my clients, most of my tax clients are investment clients at AFM Investments, so they haven't got, you haven't gotten your 1099 yet because our clearing firm doesn't send them out until February 15th. 
Um, so, uh, you know, if, if you think you have everything, just make sure that you have all your investment documents because uh, you don't want to go and have your taxes done and then find out after your taxes are refiled that, oh, my God, I just got this dividends from my broker. I forgot about this. You know, you have to wait. Um, but, you know, don't wait to the last minute. Too many people are, are last week of tax season. I have I have a, probably like five or ten clients that will come in the last two days. <laughs> you walk in April 15th. Well, this week, this year, it's April 18th because the 15th is on the weekend. But uh, you don't come into your accountant's office at two o'clock on the last day of tax season and expect your taxes to be filed on time. That's ridiculous. But you know who you are. <laughs> Those people who are my clients who are last minute antics, procrastinators. Don't do that to your account. Uh, don't do it. All right. This week, uh, we had the State of the Union address, and uh, it was really something. Uh, the first takeaway I have on it was I was surprised Biden got through it. That was the f- most impressive part of it. Uh, uh, yeah, he he mumbled through a lot of it, and he said some silly things, um, but uh, he got through it. It was somehow somewhat coherent. If not honest, it was somewhat coherent. Uh, it was somewhat raucous. <laughs> Republicans, uh, this is where we are now, by the way, in politics. Right? You know, the, the State of the Union used to be very polite, decorum. You know, everybody stood up for the president, no matter who he was, even if it wasn't your party. Uh, everybody was um, polite and nice. Uh, and because of the divisive nature of our 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 country right now it's just turned into the house of parliament now in england uh where people just yell back and forth and whatnot and uh the republicans responded we'll we'll talk about that in a second to him saying uh that the republicans want to kill social security which they always it's which is the big lie that the democrats have been spouting for for decades and we'll we'll do it now um so what came out of this? Well, everything was gaslighted. Everything is great. Did you know that, Paul? Everything in the economy is good. We're growing the jobs, and uh, inflation now is lower than it was, and uh, gasoline prices are good, and uh, uh, everything is great because of my leadership and Kamala Harris, of course. Uh, did you see Kamala Harris? You know, you watch. I love watching the the Speaker of the House and the Vice President you know, behind them, especially when they're different parties. You know, it's just fun to watch them. You know, the vice president kept going up and down, up and down, clapping up, up and down, up and down. I think she went up and down like 150 times. Uh, her legs must be killing her the next day. Right? Uh, Kevin McCarthy is there just making faces. At least he didn't rip up the speech like Nancy Pelosi did. Once Nancy Pelosi ripped up that speech right after Trump's announced, that was the most, she threw a bomb into the decorum of the State of the Union at that point. All right. She single-handedly ruined it. And by the way, uh, Biden praised her as probably the best Speaker of the House in the history of Congress. Yeah. Okay. Um, So anyway, it was uh, something that I really didn't want to watch, but I had to because I have to do this show. So I have to be somewhat informed on it. So I watched it. I fell asleep a couple of times, um, but I saw it, you know, I I saw it again later on. But um, but it was uh, it was really something to see. Nothing was true, uh, and 
of course, you know, the Democrats loved everything about it, uh, thought it was, and the media, of course, the media formed. It was, this was one of the best speeches that Biden ever gave. Of course, they, of course, that's what they were going to say. Um, but, um, but it was really, uh, really interesting to watch. Uh, and, uh, he went on to say something about, um, uh, cashiers. Did you hear this thing he said about cashiers? He talked about, um, that, they, if you're a cashier at like a, a McDonald's, you have to sign a no compete agreement, which means that you can't work anywhere else, like other burger joints. He said this on the State of the Union. Now, somebody had to write this in there. I mean, he didn't put it in there. Listen, listen to what he says about cashiers. I, I, I should have known this, but I didn't until two years ago. 30 million workers have to sign non-compete agreements with the jobs they take. 30 million. So a cashier at a burger place can't walk across town and take the same job at another burger place and make a few bucks more. They just change it. But they just change it because we exposed it. That was part of the deal, guys. Look it up. But not anymore. We're banning those agreements so companies have to compete for workers and pay them what they're worth. <laughs> I mean, the Republicans are just laughing. Like, you know, and um, Kevin McCarthy's just got a smile on his face. Like, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, <laughs> you know, it was just, there, there was a lot of that in there. Uh, but I was thinking that, you know, what if Joe Biden um, actually gave his speech and told the truth so i'm going to give his speech for him now i threw this together last night uh and i spent a lot of time on this uh and of course it's not the full length of what an hour speech would be it's kind of like excerpts but i'm going to give you me being joe biden that's kind of hard to do because i do have some mental faculties left uh but uh i'm going to do uh the speech that joe should have done uh, if he was telling the truth. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, Mr. Speaker, Madam Vice President, our First Lady and Second Gentlemen, members of Congress and the Kitchen Cabinet, oh, the Cabinet, leaders of our military, Mr. Chief Justice, Associate Justice, and retired Justices of the Supreme Court, and you, my fellow Americans, I start tonight by congratulating um Congratulating the members of the 118th Congress and the new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Our extensive voter fraud operation was successful in stealing the Senate. We just missed stealing the House. Mr. Speaker, I look forward to fighting you tooth and nail over every bill your caucus brings forth. Congratulations to the longest-serving senator leader in history, Mitch McConnell. 
I consider Mitch the 52nd Democrat in the Senate and fellow Chinese advocate. Wink, wink. And congratulations to Chuck Schumer for another term as Senate Minority Leader, this time with an even bigger majority. I want to give special recognition to someone who I think will be considered the greatest speaker in the history of the House of Representatives, and that is Nancy Pelosi. Now, 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 let's be nice, be nice. Uh, I want to start out saying the state of our union is the worst it's been since the Civil War. Before I took office, our economy was thriving. As I stand here tonight, we have created 12 million phantom jobs. Jobs, my Bureau of Labor Statistics, just created out of thin air. The actual number of jobs lost in January alone was two and a half million But through an adjustment of 3 million jobs, we actually created 550,000 jobs. If you believe the Bureau of Lying Statistics, the unemployment rate is 3.4%, a 50-year low. Economist John Williams says the real unemployment rate is 14%. Well, who are you going to believe, an esteemed economist or your government? Inflation was only 1.4% when I took office, but today it's at 40-year high, and it's hurting American families. During my presidency, car prices went up, food and grocery prices went up, Uh, so did everything from refrigerators to cell phones to everything else. Now, I passed the Inflation Reduction Act, clever name. Wouldn't you think for an act that actually causes more inflation by spending trillions of dollars on climate change? Some middle class Americans are working three jobs to get by. See, I'm creating all these jobs because Americans need them. Inflation is a result of all the money I printed to fund social causes. But we need to finish the job by printing trillions more. Why just have inflation when you could have hyperinflation? All Americans must prepare for famine and starvation. Supply chains are breaking down and grocery shelves soon will be bare. Even if some food is available, you probably won't be able to afford it. Two years ago, Democratic leaders shut down schools, stores, and restaurants, causing our children serious issues and bankrupting mom-and-pop businesses. Even though we knew COVID had a 99.9 chance of survival, it was a test to see how much control and tyranny the public would take. We installed mask mandates that don't work to prevent disease, but do work in installing fear. Experimental drugs were rushed to market without proper trials. People were mandated in many cases to take the quote-unquote vaccine or lose their jobs. Now many thousands have died from the quote-unquote vaccine and multiple more injured. Most governments would have pulled such a dangerous drug from the market, but not my FDA. They now suggest that all children aged six months and older take COVID vaccine, just like other vaccinations. If you want a lower world population, you have to get rid of the children. Young, healthy, fit adults are dropping dead all over the world. But the job isn't finished yet. The job is not finished yet. We have more to do. My predecessor was the first, my predecessor was the first president not to start a war. War is a very profitable venture for the military-industrial complex. Peace is terrible for business. 
So I instigated a war, not a small one, but hopefully World War III. If we're lucky, it will escalate into thermonuclear war. That may even kill more people than the vaccines. When I took office, we were energy independent. My first day, I shut down the Keystone Pipeline. When we shut down permits, then we shut down permits to drill and explore. When, uh, now we, uh, I'm as bad as he is getting through the speech. Now we are dependent on countries that hate us to supply us the energy we need. When I took office, gasoline was $2 a gallon. Now it's as much as $5. We have uh, decimated our energy industry, but we need to finish the job. Many of our seniors depend on Social Security and Medicare to get by. But my Republican friends want to do away with Social Security and Medicare. Now, now, you do. You do. Now, actually, it's a lie. Uh, They don't want to take away your Medicare and Social Security, but the lie works, and we use it every election cycle. As a matter of fact, the only person in Congress to ever consider um, doing away with uh, Medicare and Medicaid was actually me when I was senator. Listen to a clip. When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. And I not only tried it once. I tried it twice, I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. So, yeah, it's really a lot. The Republicans don't want to end Social Security and Medicare. I was the only person in Congress uh, to propose that. But you know what? The lie works, and we use it all the time, and we scare the seniors. When world leaders ask me to define America, I define our country in one word, insane chaos. When asked what my vision for the country is, I say to destroy the backbone of America, the middle class, to destroy the soul of the nation through wokeness, sexual deviation, and free abortions up to the day of birth. To divide the country. You know, divide, then conquer. Once thriving cities and towns have become shadows of what they used to be. Violent crime runs rampant. People are afraid to walk the streets in daylight. Zombie drug addicts walk the streets. Murder suspects are released from jail the same day. But we're not finished yet. There's more to do. Lastly, my fellow Americans, I want to talk about immigration. When I took office, our southern border was secure. The previous president was a racist and did not want poor refugee families to find better life here in our great country. Now our border, now our border is wide open. And uh, millions of our Latin neighbors are coming to our country. And being a generous country that we are, we are providing them free health care, free education, free hotel rooms, and free cell phones. That's right. That's right. No, you have to struggle to pay your bills, but we're going to give them everything for free. That's what a great country you are. Thanks to my immigration policy, thousands of gang members, human and child traffickers, and fentanyl are entering our country. But we still have more to do to finish the job. We're not done yet. And they'll all vote Democrat. In the last two years, I've done more to ruin America than all the other presidents combined. But the job isn't finished. 
As I stand here tonight, I have never been more pessimistic about the future of America. Having said that, God bless America. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. So that would be the State of the Union speech if Joe Biden was telling the truth. All right, let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Lou Skatig. They don't go away. Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard every Sunday, 7 to 9 a.m. right here on 92.7 WOBM-FM. Hey, it's that time again, income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. AFM Investments has been providing financial planning and income tax preparation for over 35 years. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member FINRA, NSIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Services, through Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer. Top quality work at the most affordable rates. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Luz Katigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to move forward Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. 
Here's Luz Katigna. All right, we're in the home stretch. The last half hour of our two-hour program it goes so fast here on the Financial Physicians. It's the fastest two-hour in radio. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're just tuning in now, just waking up, just getting out of church, just uh, finding us driving down the parkway uh, on your way to Atlantic City, uh, the show is two hours long, and you don't want to miss a minute of the program, and you don't have to because we have the podcast of the show. The full two hours is available right after the show's over at thefinancialphysician.com, thefinancialphysician.com. Click on the radio tab up top, and it'll bring you right to the current program. And you can listen anytime, day or night, any day of the week. Uh, You can listen to parts of the program. You can listen to it over the course of the week. You can listen to it twice. You can skip past the the part you heard. It's a very convenient way to listen to the financial physician. Zip through the break, breaks, whatever. Uh, so no excuse to missing any of the program. Please share it with friends and family that you think can uh, benefit it. That's the com. Love your emails. Uh, you want me to cover something on the program or something I could help you with? Uh, I answer each and every email. If I don't, just send it again. And I, I just missed it because I get so much junk in my email. Uh, that's Lou, L-O-U, at the com. Lou at TheFinancialPhysician.com. Now, we were talking before the break uh, about the State of the Union address. And I did mine, if Biden would do it truthfully. Um, but uh, I was, um, I got a sense of confidence um, watching him give that address and seeing who the vice president is sitting behind him. And, and you know, God forbid something happens to Joey. You know, he's getting old here. You know, it's just so comforting to know that there's somebody so competent to step into the presidency and lead our great country. And uh, Vice President Harris, um, she doesn't really do a lot now. She just goes around the country and gives a little bit of word salad sandwiches uh, (laughs) wherever she goes. And she's got a thing, though, for electric buses. I don't know what it is, school buses and stuff. And she was uh, at some symposium this week talking about electric buses. (laughs) What happened? What happened? Oh, here it is. I got to go back to the beginning. All right, we'll do it again. Uh, let's see. Okay, we're getting there. We're not a high tech show. No exhaust. No diesel smell. The bus has Wi-Fi and even USB outlets next to every seat. I mean, come on! Imagine you can charge your phone on your way home from work. That's good stuff. Good stuff. I mean, you could charge your phone. Could you imagine that? It always sounds like she's talking to a class of third graders every time. Uh, The week before, she was talking about a space launch. And she was very excited about it. Which brings me to May 30th, 2020. Bob and Doug returned to the Kennedy Space Center. They suited up, they waved to their families, and they rode an elevator up nearly 20 stories. They strapped in to their seats and waited as the tanks beneath them filled with tens of thousands of gallons of fuel. And then they launched. Yeah, they did. They launched. Can you believe that? Paul, could you believe that they launched? I, I, I don't know. And you know what? An electric bus took them to the launch pad. 
Uh, could you imagine her giving a State of Union speech? What that would be like? Be like a little kindergarten. <laughs> it would be an hour of, of would... just her talking down to you like you're a child. Uh, it's almost worth it, her being president just to see that State of the Union speech. Uh, you think uh, Joe Biden gave a tough one? I can imagine uh, what, she, what she would give. Uh, by the way, uh, there's a movement to get rid of her. I'm telling you, I, I'm seeing it day by day here, the, the, the way the, the, the media is starting to treat her and stuff. Uh, there's something underfoot here. The, the, I got a feeling Joe Biden is not going to make the rest of his term. They don't want him to run again. So, you know, it seems that the deep state is starting to throw him under the bus and they don't want her to be president. Um, so what's going to happen here? I don't know. But there's something, there's an intriguing thing going on here, and I don't really know what it is, and we'll have to see how it plays out um, as we go on. All right, you know, it's becoming more and more obvious, and I, I do a lot of research on this stuff, and it's hard to get real information now about what's going on with COVID, what's going on with these vaccine deaths that are, are, are popping up. Uh, what's happening with young adults. Um, uh, and a new report uh, just came out that suggests that at least 217,000 Americans died from COVID vaccines in just 2021. Now, you're not going to hear this stuff because mainstream media, brought to you by Pfizer, um, will not bring any of this up. But it's mind-boggling to me. The more I read about this vaccine and the effect it's having on people worldwide, uh, the more angry I get. Now, if I took it, my anger would be 10 times more, 100 times more. But I have loved ones who've taken it. So here's an article here. While it's clear that the experimental COVID shots have killed a considerable number of people, the total death toll remains elusive. Thanks to the U.S. Health Agency's obfuscating, hiding, um, uh, hiding or manipulating data. That said, the most recent survey published in the peer-reviewed journal BMC Infectious Diseases puts the death toll from COVID jabs somewhere between two hundred seventeen thousand three hundred thirty and three hundred thirty-two thousand six hundred eight in twenty twenty-one alone. As noted by Steve Kirsch. We've killed at least 217,000 Americans and seriously injured 33 million in just the first year. And the CDC and the FDA want to give you more shots. Since deaths from the vaccine were higher in 2022, most experts would estimate the all-cause mortality death toll from the COVID vaccines to be in a range of 500,000 to 600,000. So the global cost of life from these vaccines is an order of 10 to 12 million people. And this data is consistent with the numbers I've been saying for a long time. It's not coincidence. I mean, this is uh, pretty, pretty devastating stuff. And it's not being reported to you if true. Uh, In Pfizer's own trial, 1,200 people died in two and a half months. And this was still approved by the government. This is going to go down in history as the biggest, biggest scandal scandal, if you want to, genocide, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the history of mankind. And it's still going on. That's the thing. It's still going on. They haven't pulled this. This morning, I got up this morning. This was the headline. 25-year-old goalkeeper died suddenly during football match in West Flanders, Belgium, on Saturday evening. 
Arnie Spiel, goalkeeper for Winkle Sport B, has died on the spot after stopping a penalty kick in the second half of the match. Just dropped dead. This is what's happening, people. People have been mandated to take this if you're in a football league or baseball or uh, soccer. And now these young people are just dropping dead. This is not normal. Now, Pfizer just put out a new ad, um, uh, a new commercial that's out now that has celebrities on it. Uh, And what they're doing, uh, they have Pink, uh, Michael Phelps, uh, a few other people, I don't know. And what they're doing is they're talking about going to get your COVID booster uh, and, 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 and the different factors that make the risk of getting COVID deadly to you. And the drug company says that 200 million American adults have at least one factor putting them at risk of COVID-19. I mean, it's 258 million adults in the United States. So they're saying like most of us have to get the vaccine because we have um, comorbidity issues. And you know what one of them is? If you're depressed, you got to get the vaccine because bad things can happen to you. Now, Pfizer does not sponsor my show. Not We're not brought to you by Pfizer, but I'm going to do them a favor. I'm going to run their commercial for free. If this were the real COVID-19, I would be in real trouble because I have asthma. Oh, by the way, they're holding a, a rubber ball that looks like um, the COVID virus, you know, with all the spikes on it and stuff. And I have depression. I have diabetes. And I struggle with my weight. For us, COVID is a whole different ballgame. In fact, you could be one of almost 200 million Americans with a high risk factor that makes COVID even riskier. Which is why you need to be ready and have a plan. Other risk factors include heart disease or being inactive. Even being over 50 or being a smoker, which was serious risk. Could that be you? Find out. Go to noplangood.com and know your risk factors. Then make a plan. Because if you get COVID on top of asthma, like I did, the last thing you want to do is wait and see. Be ready. Have a plan. And ask your doctor about treatment options that may help. Yeah, okay. So they're trying to push the, the vaccine again. Um, I didn't know depression was a comorbidity. Boy, they're spending a lot of money now trying to push, because people are pushing back now. I just told you, how many people dying on this thing? This is crazy. Now the CDC, um, oh, by the way, how, how many commercials today on the Super Bowl you think you're going to see from Pfizer? How many vaccine commercials run by the U.S. government? tonight i'm going to try to document this uh and report next week because it's going to be pervasive in the pregame show during the game the postgame show pfizer's got a lot of money now they've made hundreds of billions of dollars with these vaccines they can throw it around uh and they are this 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 really burns me this one cdc adds covid19 vaccines to child immunization schedule the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention added COVID-19 vaccines to its routine immunization schedule for children and adults on Thursday, attracting criticism for the decision. According to the CDC's 2023 immunization schedule for children and adolescents, two or three doses of COVID-19 vaccines have been recommended, beginning with infants who are just six months old. Children in the age group six months to four years and five years to 11 years are recommended COVID-19 vaccines from Moderna or Pfizer. 
This is insanity. To give these kids... I would not give my kids one of these. Please, people, do not vaccinate your children. They're not at risk for COVID-19. I mean, this is insanity what's going on here. This is, it's diabolical. I mean, though the CDC has added COVID-19 vaccines to the recommended list. It has not mandated the vaccines. The agency does not have the authorization to do so. But local and state jurisdictions can, and many mandate most of these vaccines on the schedule. However, there are hardly any states that make flu vaccinations mandatory in public schools. Lawyers said they'll sue any state that requires COVID-19 vaccination to attend school, and many officials have vowed not to implement such a requirement. If you thought it was impossible for the CDC to lose any more credibility, there it is. I mean, this is craziness. Absolute insanity to shoot up your kids with an experimental drug. It's, it's, it's lunacy. I don't get it. More lunacy uh, in this craziness that we call uh, gender issues. Uh, it just gets more insane, insane by the day and by the month. Um <laughs> You'll like this one. Uh, you know, we were told that, you know, the transgender debate was mostly about really conservatives being jerks about pronouns, right? You know, why can't you call somebody by their pronoun? I, I think we've moved beyond this now. For a couple of years now, biological men who are dressing up as women have been demanding that the medical establishment address the injustice inflicted on them by reality and figure out a way to put wombs in men. That's right, wombs in men. Further to that, trans activists have asserted that this is, in fact, a right, and that such womb transplants, when the day arrives, should be free. That is funded by the taxpayer. I tell you, you can't make this stuff up. You wouldn't want to make this stuff up. It's that crazy. As insane as it sounds, we might be getting closer to the day that do- and doctors are now saying that it may soon be possible to transplant wombs into biological men. This from uh, the National Post in Canada. Several teams are actively working to make uterus transplants for transgender women a reality. A transgender woman is a man. Okay. By the way, if you don't know all these terms, okay. Uh, uh, according to an article published in the medical journal Fertility and Sterility with the first such procedure likely to happen within the next few years, if not sooner. This is what our um, medical establishment is working on. Not a cure for cancer, by the way. You know, with how do we get a womb into a man? A team at Ohio's Cleveland Clinic. I mean, the Cleveland Clinic is a prestigious place. The first in North America to transplant a uterus from a deceased donor into a woman born without one authored the paper. Now, this is a real woman. A woman was born without one, and they transplanted uh, deceased donors into a woman. Okay, I get that. If the, anim- if the anatomical challenges in transgender women, men, can be overcome, and surgeons have said none seem insurmountable, uterus transplants would make it possible for trans women to gestate and give birth to a child. The baby would be delivered by cesarean section. In some cases, the donor's womb might come from a transgender man. A woman. So so a woman who thinks she's a man will have her womb taken out 
to be transplanted into a man who thinks he's a woman. You follow this, right? You're all with this. Right? Paul, you got this, right? How it's going, right? Uh, follow this because it gets kind of queer, kind of weird, you know? Um, uh, so the baby would be delivered by Syria. In some cases, donor, the donor womb might come from a transgender man, woman, someone who has been born female and still is, who is transitioning to male and who no longer desires a uterus. In short, surgeons can play mix and match with body parts. A woman who wants to be a man has her womb removed, and the womb can be put in a man who wants to be a woman. Okay. Now it gets weirder. Others have sketched a hypothetical but plausible case in which a transgender woman who undergoes a uterus, meaning a man, who undergoes, it's not a transgender woman, it's a man. Just because a man puts a dress on doesn't make him a woman. Don't want to get in trouble here, Paul. Keep me, make sure I don't get off track here. So um, a man who undergoes a uterus transplant carries a pregnancy conceived with his own previous frozen sperm, (laughs) raising ethical and legal issues regarding what parental title should be given. Is he the mother or the father? Or is he both? So what does the baby call you? Mom or dad? (laughs) Kids aren't confused enough, right? Um, uh, so there's been research on this with, with animals for a long time. Around 80 womb transplants have happened in humans thus far, and 35 babies have been born as a result. Now, all of this may make a sane person recoil in horror. Um, <laughs> first of all, that the men have a right to gestate to the idea that obscene amounts of money and energy should be poured into carving up males and taking wombs from females to launch a vain attempt to just aid a child created in a petri dish. Oh, my God. One poll indicated that 90% of men identifying as women said that procuring a uterus would make them happy and enhance feelings of femininity and alleviate gender dysphoric symptoms. Most said they wanted to have children. Uh, and of course, if this becomes possible, progressive governments will say it's a right and uh, the taxpayers should pay for it. Sounds like a f- Frankenstein prophecy of some kind. Now, that apparently, you know, I thought um, I thought this transgender stuff was something new. Uh, and apparently it's not. It's been going on for a really long time. It just wasn't shoved in your face. Uh, and it wasn't talked about a lot. I mean, and now it's like, you know, a, a lot of this stuff was considered mental illness at a, in the past. You know, if you're a guy who thinks he was a girl, that would be considered mental illness. Now it's considered normal, I guess. Um, and it goes back. You want to go back 45 years. Paul, you remember Mr. Rogers? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Oh, yes. Yeah, Mr. Rogers. Good show. Good show. I used to watch Mr. Rogers going up. Uh a little aside before I get into this. Mr. Rogers, my aunt, my great aunt, um, owned a liquor store in New York City on 10th Avenue. And when I was a kid, I'd go there once in a while and stay with her and stuff. And I, I met Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers would come in every day after his show and buy a quart of vodka. <laughs> Mr. Rogers was an alcoholic, uh, uh, by the way. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin his legacy with people who think he's the greatest guy. But he he was talking about transgenderism on his show, uh, 
and he had a song about it. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Wow, that's triggering a lot of people right now, I'm sure. <laughs> you triggered, Paul? Does that trigger you? I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are confused. Uh, I was I was surprised to see that. As a matter of fact, Mr. Rogers went on Johnny Carson. Uh, uh, again, we're talking 40-something years ago. We talked about this. Boys are boys from the beginning. Girls are girls right from the start. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Everybody's fancy. And so is mine. Because sometimes children think that they might change. They might have to change after a while. And, you know, we laugh about that now. But it's because we had that concern when we were little. Yeah, because you're really not sure. And you thought maybe you'd become a girl. Or a girl would become a boy, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's Johnny Carson talking about it back then. So, you know, I guess this stuff has been going on for, for a while now. Uh, this transgender stuff. Anyway, it's insane. So, Paul, did you hear that uh, we shot down a couple of more something or others in the sky this weekend? But yeah, they shot something. <laughs> What's going on? What it is, but... What is going on? First, we let this gigantic spy balloon go across our country, taking pictures of all our militaries, and then shoot it down when it hits the Atlantic Ocean after it's done its job. Uh, and then we shoot down two more this weekend. What an over Alaska, one over Canada last night. And then for a while last night, all of Montana, its airspace was, was shut down to commercial aircraft. Uh, I'm not buying it. I, I'm not buying that this is just a weather balloon. Uh, I'm not buying that uh, it's harmless. You know, Biden came out this week and said that, oh, don't worry about it. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it's harmless. It, it did nothing for our, against our national security. You know, we had to wait to shoot it down because, you know, we were afraid of it, you know, hitting a moose in Montana if we took it down there. Um, but what's scary about this stuff, it's not worth joking. I mean, this is this is serious stuff. That 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 balloon could have carried not only surveillance devices, which it did. It could have carried small, dirty bombs. It could have carried, which is my biggest fear, uh, an EMP weapon electromagnetic pulse for those who don't know what that is uh that's a nuclear explosion that goes off in the atmosphere over a country and basically fries anything electronic doesn't hurt you but everything that relies on a transistor uh would be fried forever that would mean every car would stop working planes would fall out of the sky everything electrical you we'd be pushed back into the mid-1800s to me, that's the most frightening thing, even more than thermonuclear war. I mean, at least you'll die then. You know, there's a book that I read a couple of years back, a few years back, that I, I highly recommend everybody read. It's called One Second After. And it's about what happens to society after an EMP goes off. Now, nobody knows it's an EMP, but what happens is all of a sudden, you know, there's a small town alongside uh, a highway. It could be any town here on the Jersey Shore by Interstate 195 or the New Jersey Parkway or something like that. And what happens is all of a sudden, all the lights go out and all the cars stop because their transistors are fried. They just stop. 
And all these people start flooding into the local towns because they don't know what's going on. And nobody knows what's going on. And how within a, just a few days, how civilization starts to break down. People start fighting and going into pharmacies to get insulin for their kids with guns. Uh, they start stealing each other's food. They start eating their dogs. I mean, it starts getting to the point of, of just total decay. And that technology exists right now. North Korea can do it. Russia certainly can do it. China can do it. Iran probably can do it. And we could do it, the United States. And uh, we're done when that happens. You're talking starvation. You're talking about, just imagine. Imagine just the power going out for 10 years, 20 years. We wouldn't know how to survive because, you know, yeah, if we lived in the 1800s, that's the way you lived. You knew how to survive, right? We wouldn't be able to survive. And who's to know, you know, who's to know that the next balloon that comes on doesn't have one of those weapons? And now the Chinese know that, hey, Joe Biden isn't going to stop him. Now they're coming out and saying, well, you know, when Trump was president, this was happening, too. Trump didn't know about it because he wasn't told about it. And then a NORAD came out and basically said, yeah, yeah, we, we didn't detect them. You know, they came they came by this. This was the NORAD NORAD statement every day as NORAD commander. It's my responsibility to detect threats to uh, North America. Air Force General Van Herc of the North American Aerospace Defense Command told reporters, I will tell you what we did not detect those previous we, we did not we did not detect those previous threats. And that's a domain awareness gap that we have to figure out. So NORAD is basically saying that they missed it many times. Boy, that's that's reassuring, isn't it? That makes you feel good. NORAD can track discrete objects as small as two inches in diameter in low Earth orbit. They also track Santa Claus. They can't track this. Unbelievable. Crazy times we're living in, and we report it here each and every week on The Financial Physician. Thanks so much for joining us. If you missed any of our program, go to thefinancialphysician.com, where we have the podcast of this program. Paul will have it up right after the show is over. Share the podcast. Love your emails. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. My office number, if you want to make a no-obligation financial review or income tax appointment, 732-905-8100-732-905-8100. Remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Have a good week.